Chapter Three of Vice in Its Proper Shape. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine Blashford. Vice in Its Proper Shape, or the Wonderful and Melancholy Transformation of Several Naughty Masters and Misses into Those Contemptible Animals Which They Most Resemble in Disposition, by Anonymous. Chapter Three: The Transmigration of Miss Dorothy Chatterfast into the Body of a Magpie. In one corner of the room where poor Tony Pig was confined hung a large cage, which was the prison of a pert young magpie. As soon as my son Jackie, who was the youngest of the company, and remarkably fond of birds, had saluted her by the well-known appellation of Mag, poor Mag, she wagged her tail with surprising agility, and began to chatter in such an elevated tone, and with such a rapid pronunciation, that I was heartily glad when the kind Brahmin commanded silence. The body of this party-coloured, loquacious bird, said he, is the involuntary residence of the late Miss Dorothy Chatterfast, who was a most notorious little gossip, and belonged to a family which is as numerous as that of the greedy guts. To do her justice, she was a handsome little girl, and as brisk and notable as any young miss in her neighbourhood. But to her own misfortune, and the unspeakable vexation of most persons who came within the sphere of her observation, her little tongue was as active as her hands. She learned to talk very early, and so speedy was her improvement in the art of prattling, that before she was three years old she could lisp out a tale in very intelligible language. Her parents were so unwise as to encourage her in this mischievous kind of ingenuity, not only from the pleasure they took in hearing how fast she learned to speak, but because they considered it as an infallible token that she would, in time, prove an excellent wit and a notable manager. It is not, therefore, to be wondered at that she took a great deal of notice of everything which passed in the family, and particularly in the kitchen. If any of the servants accidentally broke a teacup, or saucer, a glass, etc., or received an unexpected visit from some of their acquaintance or relations, when her parents happened to be absent from home, she never failed to inform them of it, the first opportunity, with many aggravating circumstances of her own invention, for which they generally complimented her by way of reward, with the flattering titles of a good child, a sweet little dear, and a careful little girl. By this officious impertinence she frequently got the servants reprimanded, and sometimes dismissed, so that by degrees they all began to fear and hate her. She was equally attentive to every trifle which happened at the school, where she was daily sent to learn the art of reading and the use of her needle. For the moment she came home, and before she had well entered the parlour door and made her curtsy, her little tongue began to rattle like a mill-clack. Mamma said she, Tommy Careless was flogged for tearing his book, Jackie Fidget because he was a naughty boy and would not sit still, Polly Giddy-brains for losing her needle and thread-paper, and Lord bless me, my man was so cross that she was going to put the nasty fool's cap on my head, only for miscalling the first word in my lesson. In short, she was such a notorious tell-tale that she was soon dignified by her schoolfellows with the honourable appellation of Dolly Cagmag. As she advanced in years, the habit grew upon her, and when she was old enough to be introduced into company and go a-visiting, she carried on the same mischievous and despicable trade abroad, in which she had met with such encouragement at home. Whatever she saw or heard in one place, she would be sure to report it in another." so that all the masters and misses who had the mortification to fall into her company considered themselves as under the malicious inspection of a meddlesome spy, which they had the more reason to do because she seldom failed to embellish her informations with the recital of several unfavourable circumstances of her own invention. 
"'Indeed, Mr. Wiseman,' said Betsy, my youngest daughter, "'what you have told us is exactly true, "'for I have been in company with Miss Chatterfast several times, "'and I remember once in particular that when Master Sprightly, "'who was a merry young spark, "'had stolen a kiss from Miss Patty Sweetlips, "'though the poor young lady blushed as red as scarlet, "'and seemed to be greatly displeased "'at the freedom which had been taken with her, "'Miss Chatterfast was so mischievous "'as to represent her to all her acquaintances "'as a bold little hussy, "'who loved to be kissed by the young gentleman.' When poor innocent Patty was informed of the character which had been so unjustly fixed upon her, she was ashamed to stir out of doors, and laid it so much to heart I thought she would have cried her eyes out. This was very unkind indeed, replied the good Brahmin, and yet I sincerely believe that all the mischief her tongue was guilty of was more owing to her vanity and that talkative humour in which she had always been encouraged from her infancy than to any real malice in her heart. She had been long accustomed to speak without thinking, and naturally imagined that her impertinent loquacity would be as much admired and applauded by other people as by her thoughtless parents. I have the satisfaction, however, to observe that you are perfectly sensible of her mistake, though she had not the good fortune to be so herself. If she had lived much longer, it is very probable that the many slights and affronts she must necessarily have met with would have opened her eyes, for those who by their impertinent censures set the whole world at defiance may reasonably expect to find an enemy in every house they enter. But her meddlesome, inquisitive disposition proved to be the accidental means of shortening her days before she had experience enough to correct it. For one evening Mr. Kindly, a wealthy merchant, indulged all the young masters and misses in the neighbourhood with a splendid ball at his own house. Miss Chatterfast, though she had at that time a severe cold upon her, was so desirous of embracing such a favourable opportunity of making her remarks upon the behaviour and different dresses of the company, and thereby furnishing herself with an ample stock for conversation, that she could not be prevailed upon by her two indulgent parents to spend the evening at home." The consequence was such as might naturally have been expected. By first overheating herself at the ball, and afterwards exposing herself to the night air in her return home, her cold, which was bad enough before, suddenly increased into a violent fever, which hurried her to the grave in the short space of five or six days. Though her untimely death excited the transient pity of most of her acquaintance, very few of them, I believe, were really sorry to part with her. But notwithstanding that violent propensity to exercise her tongue, which she too frequently indulged to the vexation of her neighbours, she had a large fund of good nature at the bottom, so that I am in hopes that she will soon be restored to the rank of human beings, and have an opportunity of employing her speaking faculties with greater discretion and in a more agreeable manner than she did before. Her former loquacity, as I have already observed, was almost entirely owing to that vanity and want of thought, in which she had been too much encouraged by the simple fondness of her parents, but the low station in which she now appears will probably teach her to be more humble and considerate, and of consequence to check that talkative humour which in her past lifetime formed the most remarkable part of her character. Poor Mag, who I suppose understood every word the Brahmin said, wagged her tail a little as we left the room, but did not think proper to utter a single chatter. End of chapter 3